Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. But the legend of the Polybius arcade game may have some facts behind it to back it up. This might be a new story for you, but it's a legend from the early 80s that only grew over time. As mentioned, if this is brand new, the Polybius arcade game supposedly came out in 1981 in Portland, Oregon. The urban legend is it was being used by the government for mind control and to recruit kids to be soldiers. It was said to be addicting and made its users sick. But no evidence really exists. This is a classic urban legend and tailor-made for kids growing up in the 80s. We didn't have any access to social networks, Reddit threads, or anything like that, so it was all word of mouth. Kind of like the legend similar to that one kid who died from drinking too much Jolt Cola. The legend really didn't take off until the early days of the internet, but it's also considered one of the first true internet urban legends. But the difference with the Polybius arcade game legend is that there is some truth to it. We just need to take a little bit deeper look into what these truths are. So that's what we're going to look at here today on the Everything 80s podcast. Welcome. My name is Jamie. We look at all the greatest stuff from the 80s. And this is one of my most favorite things from the last year. I was always vaguely aware of Polybius, the arcade game, but just didn't know it as in depth. So hopefully you're going to find this one interesting. Okay. So it's important to set the stage for this whole story about this arcade game. And this involves going back to the 1950s and coming out of the second world war and going into the 1950s, the CIA began experimenting with alternative ways to weaken their enemy. And this is a very real thing. It's called Project MK Ultra. You can read all about this. It's a legitimate story. And it was the CIA doing tests on unaware subjects with the goal of finding the perfect interrogation methods and, you know, whether they could, you know, gain mind control or anything like that. And, of course, if you've watched Stranger Things, you know, the mind experimentation done on Eleven actually is kind of based in some of this, you know, urban legend stuff of what was actually going on with the CIA and other projects and, and Project MKUltra. But, you know, feel free to go back and look at all this. There's, there's so much history on all those things. But going into the 70s, into the late 70s, the secret of this started to get leaked to the public and it started to create some of these urban legends. And that brings us into this story. So what was Polybius? What was this arcade game? 
It starts in 1981 in Portland, Oregon, and a mysterious black arcade cabinet showed up. But some say they were there as early as 1979. This mysterious game only showed up in Portland and then a few surrounding suburbs. The game was supposedly published and created by a company called Sinus Lotion, which I'm probably butchering. But this is a German word, and it roughly translates to sensory deprivation. If you do a Google Translate from German to English, you get the word senseless, which is also interesting. The arcade game caused some chaos, which we'll get to in a second, and then mysteriously disappeared from all the arcades. What was Polybius? Was it real? Was it a myth? And what was the legend that went along with it? The myth behind this game is that in 1981, the United States government actually commissioned and put into production an addictive video game. The arcade game had a similar gameplay to Tempest. If you can picture that game, roughly what Polybius was supposed to be like. The game included a lot of subliminal messages and was filled with puzzles, which we'll get to more in a moment. The game resulted in some horrible physical effects on the kids that played it. This game also was reported to cause mental effects, including seizures, hallucinations, amnesia, night terrors, and a bunch of very other undesirable effects, which I won't mention on this podcast. Other reports are that the game created suicidal feelings in those that played it, and in some cases, the users died after playing it. Men in black suits were also reported to download data from the cabinets to get specific insights on the people who played it. One of the theories was that Polybius was created by the government to find qualified soldiers and advanced thinkers who, I assume, were going to be recruited. There are some comparisons here, again, to that alleged the, the CIA experiments and the mind experiments. And the one that Stranger Things was roughly based on or allegedly based on was research uh, done in Montauk, New York. Again, this is stuff you can go and look up yourself. There's a lot of records. So now we get into a man named Stephen Roach. And what is his involvement in this whole story? As I mentioned, the stories behind the Polybius Arcade game were kept pretty quiet. They were limited to that Portland, Oregon area. And it was pretty difficult for kids to spread information. There were a few mentions of it on the Usenet. This is, you know, the early form of the internet back in 1994. There's then a mention of a coin-operated arcade game called Polybius back in 2000. This was on coinop.org, and the creator of the post claims to have had a ROM image of the game and extracted fragments of text from it that showed it to be created in 1981 by that company, Sinus Lotion. But there's nothing to back this up. The legend of Polybius as we know it seems to date back to 2006, and this is with that man, Stephen Roach. He also posted a story on coinop.org. In the post, he said he was the man behind creating the company that made Polybius. He claims that he and his partners were commissioned to create the game by a Southern American company. The game was meant to be addictive, and that's what they created. When one kid suffered an epileptic fit, they freaked out, and that's when the game was pulled from the market. So there are a lot of questions here. Why did this post come out of nowhere 15 years later? Who was Stephen Roach? And if this was true, what was the intent of this southern company to build an addicting game? 
Or was Roach and his team used as patsies to create a mind-altering arcade game for the U.S. government and the CIA without them even knowing it? The interesting thing here is that his story backed up what a lot of people in the Portland area experienced in 1981. Kids were getting sick at arcades. Men in black were seen hanging around those arcades, and then it disappeared quickly. Or was he just one of those kids who knew the legend and was bringing it back from the dead? So what's the real story behind this game? There are pictures of Polybius arcade game cabinets, but those are just mock-ups. You can see them all over the internet. And there's no visual proof of the ones from 1981, which is always convenient in these situations. We didn't have digital cameras or cell phones. And, you know, a lot of our kids wouldn't necessarily always let people, you know, record stuff and whatnot. The truth is kids were getting sick from video games at the time, but these are a few isolated events. One involved a kid who was playing an arcade game for 28 straight hours trying to beat a record on asteroids when he pretty much keeled over from stomach pain. Drinking nothing but Coke for 28 hours will do that to you. There are also no reports about anything to do with the mysterious new arcade game that was reported in the news. Video games were still a relatively new thing, and many were worried about the effect they had on kids. A story like this would have been jumped all over. But if you think about it, this was a small area where these games were being used, and they weren't on a national level where more incidents could happen. So it could be easier to keep something like this quiet. There was also never any mention of this new game in any video game magazine. But, and let's just assume this is real, it would have been easy to keep quiet if it was only being used in a test market. But this is another problem. Portland was considered a test market for new video games, so make of that what you will. A reporter from Portland named Kat Despira dove deeper into this whole And this is where it gets interesting. So what did she find? Not only did Despira grow up in Portland, but she spent a big part of her youth at the arcade where Polybius was supposedly released. A very interesting thing she notes was that there were constantly black arcade cabinets coming into the arcade. Since this was a test market, none of the designs or graphics for the cabinets had been created. They were there simply to test the game. These cabinets would usually just be titled New Game, or it might have had a title, but these could change several times. This is the whole point of a test market, after all. Does this mean Polybius could have easily been one of those unmarked black cabinets? One of the biggest takeaways from her research is not only was she from Portland into video games and at the actual arcade where Polybius was meant to have been, but she had never heard of this whole thing until she was an adult. After she dove deeper into the mystery, she did find some nuggets of truth, but these are related to the kids getting sick like the 24 or the 28-hour Coke kid. What's interesting is that on the same day, at the same arcade, Another 14-year-old kid named Michael Lopez developed a migraine while playing Tempest. This is interesting because of Polybius supposedly being a recreation of Tempest. And then there was the actual death of a kid in an arcade. An 18-year-old died of a heart attack while playing the game Berserk. This was in Illinois, though. These stories definitely made national news as people were trying to show how harmful video games were. So were they included in developing... If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. 
So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. This brings us to the men in black. And there's actually some truth to this one. And no, it's not the brutal Will Smith movies. I'm sorry, I was just not a fan, and I think those movies are extremely overrated. Total apologies here. But it has been revealed through various interviews that the FBI had actually been hanging around arcades in Portland. It doesn't seem, though, that this was to download data from the cabinets, but there's probably a more logical explanation of this. I'm not sure how old you are um, exactly when you grew up. I assume you grew up in the 80s or you really like it. But if you've ever set foot in an arcade in the 80s, you know these places were not exactly family environments. Here's a little story from my own hometown. In my downtown, we had the one big arcade, and it was called Ace Arcade. And you could not pay me to step foot into that place. It was, I never went in it. I'd walked by it. I'd seen it. I was already pretty young, but this place terrified me. Only the worst kids hung out there. And it felt like one of those places that you took your life into your own hands when you went into it. It felt like there, like you could see a haze of smoke when you'd walk by and it was kind of dark and all you could see were the lights and it was kids wearing Iron Maiden jackets and ripped jeans with mullets and cross earrings and the whole deal. And for like a little kid, this was horrifying as much as I wanted to go and play video games because this was the only main arcade I would not dare step foot into this place it freaks me out to this day eventually some more kind of family friendly arcades open up where you know you had the ball toss games and get the tickets and whatnot but for pure 1980s arcades in my example ace arcade was a good representative representative of what was going on in a lot of arcades around North America. And, you know, there was some... In my case with Ace Arcade, it probably wasn't as bad as I thought. I don't know if you have your own example you're thinking of, and um, you might have it in this certain light, you're looking back at it. You know, maybe it wasn't that bad. But in my case, Ace Arcade developed enough of a reputation, again, to make me scared to go in it. And the same thing was going on in Portland, it turns out. Since arcades were places where these sketchy activities were happening, obviously drug deals, and in a lot of cases, gambling. Um, you know, my fear growing up was the whole drug issue. And we come from the just say no generation. And that was a legitimate scare. But what the big problem was in a lot of these arcades, which I would never have known about, was the gambling happening and by minors, no less. And, you know, a lot of these places were being run by people who weren't necessarily there all the time. And it was run by or managed by older teenagers or young adults or whatever. So a lot of this gambling was happening. So in the case of the arcades in Portland, it made sense that the authorities would scope them out. So it turns out that during the year of Polybius, um, when it supposedly appeared, the FBI had been, been investigating the Portland Arcade for the entire time. It turns out that the owner here had been running a gambling ring out of it. So there were also police busts uh, in arcades in Seattle a few months later, but again... For 
So what are we to believe about the Polybius arcade game? And let's go back to the man that started this whole myth as we know it, Stephen Roach. In his now famous post, we find some issues. There are spelling mistakes, not a big deal. And then the name of his company is spelled wrong, probably more of a big deal. But some people do believe him. There's another issue. No one is even sure who this guy is. There are obviously a lot of Stephen Roaches out there, including the famous American economist. I've done my homework. But Kat Despira thinks that she tracked down the actual Stephen Roach when um, the one when she did her research based on the guy who wrote the post. She believes she put it all together. But she found some disturbing things. If this is indeed the same guy, he apparently ran behavioral modification schools for children. And then it gets worse from there. So it's hard to tell if this is indeed the same person who wrote that original post. The the behavioral modification issue seems like it would be connected to a video game trying to accomplish the same thing. If that was the intention of the government, were they recruiting it? Did she actually have the right guy? Were they, you know... Who knows how deep these sort of things go? Like I said, this is one of the earliest internet urban legends. And the longer things grow, it kind of becomes a game of telephone. And the original message can get misconstrued and exaggerated. And then pieces, you know, fall apart and that whole. But what are we to make of all this? Is the story of the Polybius Arcade game based on any facts at all? Or was it contrived because of a bunch of incidents that all took place around the same time and at the same place? I don't know. It's a classic urban legend that just has continued to hang around. Polybius has been referenced on The Simpsons. I don't know how deep you go into The Simpsons, but there's an episode when Bart is in an arcade and he's playing, if you remember, Triangle Wars. And right next to it is a Polybius Arcade game. Um, there's the game on the PlayStation Store, if you've seen that. And it was also, if you watch the Loki Marvel series on Disney+, Plus, when you know uh, Loki had been jumping around during the different timelines and he'd been responsible for a lot of things going up in his sort of you know warehouse thing where the different Loki variants were and there was a throne... Um, there was a Polybius arcade game, which perfectly works with everything like that. You know, thinking about the mind control and recruiting, and this was a real thing, and Loki was involved, and the, the whole is a perfect inclusion into that series. But that's what I mean. This thing has never really gone away. The legend of it is maybe growing, you know, with the inclusion of something like the Loki series. It's interesting how it never really became a thing until 2006, but some claim this game really existed. It's impossible to verify if anyone actually played this arcade game. We would have to take them at their word. There is absolutely no proof. But were people playing this game and never knew it? The name Polybius wasn't connected to it till much later. With dozens of test cabinets coming and going out of a Portland Arcade, who's to say what the kids were exposed to? They wouldn't remember playing Polybius because it was never called Polybius. Maybe it was a genuine video game, but maybe it sucked and the kids just didn't want to play it. Then maybe it was retooled into something else. Or was the government trying to recruit soldiers, control minds, or extract data from children? People like to think so, but of course, we will never know. If the Polybius Arcade game actually existed, they could now be stored in their, you know, ideal resting spot next to the Ark of the Covenant in a warehouse somewhere in 
Either way, it's a great story. And the question comes up, how did this become a story? You know, someone had to think this up. Did it have any basis in reality? Was it because of all those black cabinets coming and going and the MK Ultra project and, you know, people learning of the CIA's work in mind control? Was it just the perfect combination at the right time and someone put those pieces together? Again, that's what makes Urban Legends so good. And the Plebeus Arcade game remains one of the all-time classic Urban Legends and it comes from the 80s, too. So it's a perfect combination and hopefully found this show interesting. If you already know about this thing, you've probably done huge deep dives. There's like massive documentaries on YouTube. If you want to go even further, like hour long documentaries where it got a lot of this information. Um, they go super deep into the Stephen Roach thing and more of the research. Um, so, you know, this might just be a quick overview because you already know it. If this is brand new for you, welcome to this whole <laughs> crazy theory and all the, uh, again, backstories and research that have gone into it over the years. So, again, I've sort of just lightly touched on the whole thing. Hope. And as I finish, and if you are in a position to do so, and if you're interested in supporting small independent shows like this, you can consider joining patreon.com, which is a way for just like a few bucks a month to support small independent podcasts in this whole giant podcast realm against, you know, celebrities, companies, huge podcast networks. The difference here with patreon.com is that there are various tiers and you get different audio rewards depending on which tier you sponsor. So say like at the Boba Fett level, you get access to the Everything 80s Movie Club where I review lots of classics from the 80s, good ones, bad ones, everything in between. And I also will share things like classic Saturday morning cartoons, put, you know, movie behind the scenes pictures, um, old, awesome, classic 1980s commercials. Uh, with Patreon, it's like a combination of all the different social media platforms kind of put together. It's got, you know, kind of like the message board, like Facebook, but you can put links um, like, you know, anything you're watching straight in YouTube, but you can leave, you know, direct messages and it, it's got a bit of like Twitter. It's got a bit of everything. So it's kind of a good platform for audiovisual content. And that's why it's perfect for podcasting. So if you're interested and want to see more, just go to patreon.com slash 80s. So P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash 80s. Or wherever you're listening to this on, there in the show notes, there'll be a link that'll take you right there. Okay, that's it for me. Thanks for spending the time here. I will be back soon with a new episode. Don't you dare miss it.